0: Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. This week has uh, been unusual a little bit for me because I've had so many things going on with the My position as presbyter and a lot of other stuff. And as I've been praying about, Lord, what is it that you want our people to hear? He again took me back to the basics. And I hope that if you are a mature Christian, you've got it locked down when it comes to your beliefs, that you'll understand that we have a lot of new people coming in. And sometimes we just need to go back as a refresher and re-examine the things that we already know. So, please, uh, I think you'll still get something out of today's message, but we are going to go back to some foundational truths, as I like to call it. There we go. Foundations of truth. We We sure do, don't we? Again, I don't know for certain why any of you are here today, but I imagine that there are many things that have brought each one of you here to this church this morning. I don't think it was by chance. God's not that kind of God. He orchestrates things. I believe He predestines us to be in certain spots. For some, you're here because, well, you're just in the habit of going to church. That's a good thing. That's a discipline. In fact, one of the gifts of the Holy... or one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is... Discipline, self-discipline, and and a lot of people don't get this, but I'm telling you, you're going to be healthier, and it is uh, a good thing to make that a practice. For others, it might be that you're trying to figure out your place in this world. There are many options, aren't there? What college to go to, who to marry, what jobs next for me, etc., etc., How many kids should we have? All these things enter our mind, don't they? And for still others, you're hurting. You came here hoping that you'll find something to help you with that hurt. The good news is, you're going to, whoever you are, whichever category you might find yourself in, God is here to minister to you. And you're not going to leave here disappointed. I don't believe that at all. Trust Him today. Trust Him. In today's message, I want to discuss something with you that God requires from every one of His children. and You're a child of God if you've given your heart to Jesus, if you're born again. Now, He wants you to be His child if you're not already. So at the end of the service, I'm certainly going to give opportunity For those of you who have not made that commitment to him yet. To be called one of his kids. Because there are blessings that flow for those who are God's children. Amen? There's one thing that he requires of us. Without this one thing, you will never be able to make sense of this life. And you'll likely not experience His peace. And I thought it was interesting that the Word today talked about peace. Call on Him, and He will give you peace. Right? Is that what you, what you felt the Lord was saying? Call on Him. He wants you to have His peace. But the problem for most of us is that we find it hard to do this one thing. Because through our lifetime. We've learned from experience that this one thing isn't reliable. Let me give you some examples. How many of you had an older brother or sister that tormented you? Michael's going, yeah, that happens to me every day. Picking on you, Sam. (laughs) How about this one? without me going into detail for those of you who still do this. And then all of a sudden you realize, huh? No? (laughs) Can I ask you this question? With a raised hand, how many of you have forwarded that email because of something like this? (laughs) Oh! The curse is going to be on me. We can't trust these things, can we? We can't trust these things. And the one thing that I'm talking about today is, you'll never believe it. Trust. We have to trust. We have to trust. It's a requirement. As one of God's kids. Nothing else is going to work. Nothing else will make sense unless you begin to trust god the dictionary defines faith as having complete trust or confidence in someone or something having complete trust we have to trust in the lord we have to believe that his word is true and then everything around us will begin to make sense In order to trust God, we have to believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently, earnestly, sincerely seek Him. And those are the King James NIV and NLT. Let me repeat that He rewards those who diligently, earnestly, sincerely seek Him. Are you an earnest, diligent, or sincere seeker? I suspect that's what brought many of you here today. You're trying to exercise your faith. Right? One of my wife's favorite passages is this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do and He will show you which path to take. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Today, we're going to look at what it means to trust the Lord. And if you aren't already, it's my prayer that by the end of this message, your faith will blossom as we study out this concept that I believe is scriptural. We must trust God and His Word in order for this life to make sense. I have this prayer that I wanted to read. This is actually from one of the Psalms, Psalm 25, David wrote this psalm, and I'd like you to pray this with me if you would. And for some of you, you might have to pray this by faith, but that's all right. But would you repeat this with me? In fact, would you stand up one more time as we pray this out loud, okay? You ready? Oh Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced. Or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. But disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Hallelujah. Father God, we just pray today that you would bless this word. Let it go deep within our spirit, Lord. Bind us together with those cords of love. We dedicate and commit this message to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I said, the dictionary defines trust as, in a noun, a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something as a verb to believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Again, the problem is, who can we trust? Who can we trust? (laughs) I, I put up a select number of candidates on both sides, if you will. I'm not suggesting you vote for either one or any of them. I hope you vote for someone. We don't know. We don't know who to trust. And that's why it's so difficult when we come into years like this. Who are we going to choose as our next president? I hope that you fast and pray as you seek God. And listen, if you're one of those that doesn't vote, shame on you. You need to get God's heart in this thing. Otherwise, you have no complaining afterwards. Every one of us needs to vote. and I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I am going to say, get God's heart in this. Get God's heart in this. But can we trust people? They always let us down, don't they? Some of you in this room have trusted a man or a woman. You've given them your heart to hold And it didn't go so well. And because of that, you have a difficult time trusting anybody or anything. And I believe God wants you to know that you can trust Him. God wants you to know that Jesus can be trusted. Why do you think He sent Him to this earth 2,000 years ago? Because Jesus is the one he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And whatever He said and whatever He did can be trusted. We may not be able to trust which candidate we're going to pick or, or any of the candidates, but we can trust in Jesus. I want to share this, and it's, it's pretty lengthy but I believe it's important. John twelve forty four to 50 Jesus shouted to the crowds, If you trust Me, you are trusting not only Me, but also God who sent Me. For when you see Me, you are seeing the One who sent Me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in Me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth. I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know His commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Can we believe the words of the Son of God? Can we practice what He's taught us? Can we trust the world's view? Is there any other way? But to follow after Jesus, I say not. Jesus said, trust me. Trust me. Trust what I'm saying. These words that are coming out of my mouth, apply them to your life. Get them in your heart. You can believe in them. You can trust them. You can practice them. And it will lead to what? Eternal life. There's no other way. But if you reject Jesus' words, if you reject God's message, then you are rejecting God's plan for salvation. You can't have it both ways. Well, I'm a good person. God'll, I think He'll look at that. No, not according. To this book the Bible God cannot tolerate sin in his presence he can't that's why the priests in the Old Testament had to make certain that they were purified before they went into the Holy of Holies because if they'd walked in with sin in their life they would have been consumed by the glory of God That's why they hung a little bell around his ankle and a rope. And if they stopped hearing the bell ringing, they pulled him out. God is serious about this, folks, according to the Word. So you may have all your own views about, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. There are two ways. God's way. Man's way. Pick God's way. That's the way that's going to be safe. That's the way that's going to be filled with life and abundant life. That's the way that's going to lead to eternal life. Eventually. This is pretty deep stuff, isn't it? Enter the Bible. Whoo. You know this is the best seller list for centuries. Hallelujah. That's good news. I wish more people would grab hold of it. The Bible. Can it be trusted? There are many people today that reject the Bible as the inerrant Word of God. And and what inerrant means is it's incapable of being wrong. That's what inerrant means. And we, in the assemblies of God, believe that God's Word is inerrant, that you can trust this book in its entirety. Are there a few things in there that are hard to digest and hard to understand, yes. And I'm not going to claim that I understand every single thing about God in His Word. But I do know that over the last 35 years or so that I've been studying the Bible, it always gives me life. It always helps me in whatever situation I'm in, and it will direct my course if I allow it to. But there's this lack of trust showing up in our culture, in our society, this negative view about the Bible. It's been observed that there has been a steady moral moral decline since the early 60s. I'm sure that there are many things that contributed to this moral decline. And I'm not suggesting it was only that the Bible was pulled out of the schools in 1963. But I will say that I believe it has contributed and is probably the most important reason that we're seeing this nation go down the toilet with its morality. In the old days, our kids cut their teeth on the Bible. In the 1800s, it was one of their main texts. Kids memorized Scripture. And what did it lead to? All kinds of inventions. Loving each other. This country was known as the land of the brave, land of the free. We could do almost anything, and we would succeed at it. And I believe it's because we honored God. God and His Word. But listen, folks, we've gotten away from that. You may be Bible readers, but there are many people out there today that do not read it. And that's why I'm spending this time trying to emphasize the value and the importance in God's Word. It sets people free. It teaches our children the truth. We watched the movie Woodlawn last night. How many have seen it? Great movie to watch. It goes back to the early 70s. Alabama. The time of segregation. When the governor there said, we will not mix whites and blacks together. And entered into this high school called Woodlawn. And it gave us a glimpse of what it might have looked like when the whites and the blacks, the students, came together in, in the anger and the animosity, the hatred, if you will, between them. And then this chaplain came in and he started sharing the good news of Jesus. How many knew there was a a, a Jesus revival that took place in the early 70s? It was even talked about in some of the major magazines of that day. The whole whole football team got saved at Woodlawn. It was awesome! And that led to all kinds of other things. I'm not going to take away from it for you, but here's the thing. When Jesus got a hold of those students... Guess what they began to do with each other? Love each other. Love each other. other. Ooh, what a horrible thing to have the Bible in our schools today. (laughs) My flesh wants to take those people and. (laughs) But I know that we've got to love them. Because Jesus said, Love your enemies. Why? Why did they feel it was so important to remove the Bible from our schools? (laughs) Because the enemy is really good at what he does. Why is it so important that you and I believe the 66 books in the Old and New Testament? Why is it so important that we believe that they're God breathed, God ordained words for us to chew up every day, to eat in our spirit man? Words that were intended to be given to us that we might live by them. Why? Go back to Adam and Eve. Remember that? Eve's in the garden. God said don't eat from that tree. The tree that will allow you to see the difference between good and evil. Don't eat from that one. You can have anything else in the garden. I'm going to go deeper into this soon. Maybe next week, starting next week. We're going to look at the beginning, Genesis. But what I want you to see today is why the Bible is so important and why we must trust it. This is what Satan did. He planted a questionable doubt in her mind. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? He got her thinking, well, maybe maybe God didn't really mean what he said. Maybe I, can, I could just, you know, just this one time, just twist it just a little bit, you know. Just because I want to taste that fruit, doggone it. Who is God anyway? How dare Him tell me? Why can't... He doesn't want me to be like Him. Now this might sound ridiculous to you, but don't we do the same things with the sin that we're facing this very day? Don't we try to justify it? We hear God's Word saying, don't, don't, don't. And we do it anyway. Well... Why wouldn't God want me to enjoy that? Because it's going to kill you, that's why. He got Eve to question the Bible, what God said. They didn't have the Bible back then. Here's the thing. If the devil can show that any substantial part of the Bible is inaccurate or untrue, then it will be easy for him to systematically dismantle the rest of the Bible piece by piece until it can be said, This book cannot be trusted. What are we seeing today? This very thing. This book can't be trusted. You can't let this book in the school. It'll ruin our kids. God help us. I'm here to tell you today, the Bible can be trusted. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. Consider that there are around 40 authors who wrote the 66 books of the Bible over a very long period of time. And yet, (laughs) there is a consistent, beautiful continuity throughout this book as if just one actually wrote it. You try to put two or three authors in the same room today, they wouldn't be able to come up with anything that was, had continuity to it. And yet God did that with the Bible. It can be trusted. I'm going to share several scriptures here with you next. Jesus was frequently quoted, or he alluded to the Old Testament scriptures. First one, Matthew 19, 4-6. By the way, if you'll notice in the blue that you see the little asterisk he's actually quoting other scriptures so i wanted you to see that part of it and that's those are my that's not in the bible that's just the little quotations i put in there haven't you read the scriptures jesus replied they record that from the beginning god made them male and female And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. I just read an article that said, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. What does this say? He recorded exactly what was said in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 24. That a man and a woman, when they are joined, become one. We cannot argue this point. We can't make our own path. This is God speaking here. Listen, Matthew twenty-one forty-two. Then Jesus said to them, Didn't you ever read this in the Scriptures? Where? In the Scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. He was talking about Himself. He was the one that was going to be the stumbling block for anybody that wanted to do their own thing. You trust in the Lord, you trust in the Word of God, this will not become a stumbling block for you. But if you choose to go your own direction and ignore the Scriptures, you are going to see this as your stumbling block. Matthew 22, 31 to 22. Again, 31 to 32. Jesus here is quoting Exodus 3, 6. But now, as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you ever read about this in the what? Scriptures! Scriptures. Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So He is the God of the living, not of the dead. God is not a dead God. He is the living God. You can trust Him. I love this one, Matthew 22, 41 to 40. And it's a little bit smaller up there, but hopefully you can see it. Then, surrounded by the Pharisees, by the religious people of his day, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, why, well, he's the son of David. Jesus responded, then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, speaking under what? The inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah my Lord. For David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one could answer him. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. That was taken from Psalm 110 verse 1. Last one here. Matthew twenty six, fifty five to 56 Jesus believed the Old Testament was God's Word. Then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that, that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. Verse 56, But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the what? Can we trust the Bible? If Jesus himself quoted from it, listen to me, listen to me. He quoted from 24 books from the Old Testament, out of the 39, 24. And he was quoted quoting Scripture from the Old Testament some 200 times in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Do you think he trusted it? If he trusted it, we can trust it. And if it's not true, hear me. If it's not true, if it's not trustworthy, Jesus would have been an idiot. How many think Jesus was an idiot? I think he knew the difference. I think he knew that this book could be trusted. Now, realize if you don't already know this, and I'm just, this is a basic primary thing, but if you didn't know this, the New Testament wasn't around when Jesus was on the planet. All right? The New Testament is after Jesus. They're his words, and they're the apostles' words. So when you read the New Testament, it's the first three are the Gospels, and then the book of John, and of course, the book of Acts, and so on. They all have this continuity about Jesus. But so does the Old Testament. So much so that Jesus quoted it daily. Now if I kept going, which I won't, as you can see here, he quoted many times, right? We know he wasn't an idiot. And unlike Jesus we not only have, not unlike Jesus, we not only have the Old Testament, but we also have the New. The New Testament. It declares that God's Word was given by Him. We read it in its pages. Now, one of these is my favorite, this next one. For the Word of God is alive. Would you read this with me? For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Why do you think the devil doesn't want you to read the Bible? Why do you think that he doesn't want you to trust it? Because it cuts deep. And you can't live in both sides. Heaven and hell without this saying, warning, 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 whoop, whoop, whoop. And it's not just about the warning, but it's about the life, the life giving breath that God gives us as we study out His Word and begin to understand it. There's no greater strength to have on this planet than what God says in this book. That's truth. So it's not just about the don'ts, but it's about the do's. Do this, do that. Love each other as I have loved you. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy, still have a little voice left. Timothy was one of the protégés of the Apostle Paul. In fact, he treated him like his son. He invested in him heavily over the years. And eventually, Timothy took over not only his own church, but several churches. Listen to what he said to this young man. You must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know that they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. What has he been taught? Again, this would have been the Old Testament. But Timothy had been taught the Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you what? Wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by what? Trusting in Jesus Christ. Why do you think the devil doesn't want us to read the Bible? Because this last little sentence here... You know they're true for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they've given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Every time we say that name, the devil shudders. The demons are shaking in their place. No! No, not that word again! No! It drives them crazy. We should all be running around. Jesus! Jesus. When you stand in the Walmarts and you know there's stuff going on. Jesus! Hallelujah. All Scripture is inspired. Oh, wait a minute. All Scripture is inspired by. Say it again. Who? (laughs) What does that mean? He wrote it. He may have used those guys writing it down, but believe me, they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He told them what to say. And it is useful (laughs) to teach us what is true, what is right, what is the right path to take. It is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, the paths not to take, It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Can I get a good amen? Second 2 Peter 1, 19 and 21. I'm about to get into the end of this. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence, Paul said, or Peter said, I'm sorry. Even greater confidence in the message. What is the message? The message. The Bible is the message. Say that with me. The Bible's the message. That's what Peter's talking about. We have greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they. What? Road. Woo-hoo. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns. And, the, and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. The Word is a light shining in this dark place. You want to know what path to take, what path not to take? The light will lead you. It's the Bible, folks. Verse 20. Above all, Meaning, this is the most important. You must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Can you get excited today? Bottom line, (laughs) there's no other book we can trust. If it's man-made, there's no other book that can be be trusted. I'm telling you that right now. No other writings, no other blog. The Word of God. It's that simple. I'd like to close with this story. We're losing our sense of direction in this age of technology. And and I don't mean that as a commentary on this generation's morals or its philosophy, though that may be true to some extent. We're literally losing our sense of direction. GPS technology is everywhere, especially now that it's cheaper, and the utility of phone signals has allowed global positioning capabilities on our smartphones, how many can say amen to that? Since GPS technology is extremely accessible, people have become more and more reliant on them to get from point A to point B, even going from one place to the other in, in the town or wherever you're going. Remember the old days? You'd have to map quest it, print it out, give you step-by-step directions. Now this little voice, yes, what would you like? I'm a horrible Siri, but turn right 20 feet ahead right? With GPS systems, turn-by-turn directions, it makes automobile, automobile na- navigation seamless and stress-free. But what happens when we rely too heavily on these turn-by-turn directions? When we don't use our own brains, when we turn them off, we become like robots. What happens? Ironically, this just happened to us a week ago, two weeks ago, We were going up to a sectional meeting in the UP, and my son was driving, and he was using his Siri on his iPhone to give us the directions. And We we got into town, fine, in Kitchlow, and and all of a sudden, I'm looking up, and I'm going, uh, I think something's wrong here. We were heading right into the prison. That's where the road, I'm thinking what happened was the road was there at one time and then they put the prison in the middle of the road and it started again on the other side of the prison. But according to, if we'd kept going and there's all these warning signs, stop, stop, you know, must have authorization, yada, yada. Well, even though there were four pastors in the car, we were smart enough to stop and turn around. <laughs> And we found our way around and then we got to the church on time. But my point is, GPS can mislead you. What if we ignore our instincts, the obvious signs? This little story sheds some light on it. Recently, and I'm I'm showing you this, maybe I'm going to get there. Oops, what happened there? Can you take me to the map? Recently, a 67-year-old woman from Belgium, Sabine Moreau, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I'm trying to sound French, departed her house to pick up a friend at a train station in Brussels. She programmed her GPS to take her to the station. But what should have been a 90-mile trip ended up a 900-mile journey. How many of you have ever done that? Come on, man! <laughs> Lift, what? Claudia, a woman did that? I thought it was only men that had that dysfunction. For some reason, she didn't realize something was wrong until she arrived in Croatia. (laughs) All right. Andy hates it when I do this, but I got to do this if I can find it. How do I turn this on? It's on here somewhere. Maybe I'm not going to do it. Oh, there it is. All right. This is Brussels. This is where she started. This is Croatia. 900 miles. I'm thinking, wow, I thought I was... Never mind. For some reason, she didn't realize something was wrong until she arrived in Croatia. Sabine admits to her own bemusement that she was to blame for her long trans-European trek. This is a quote. I was absent-minded, so I kept on putting my foot down, she said to a local newspaper. <laughs> what? Not, I mean, look... I have gone out of my way before. Maybe even 100 miles out of my way. But 900? Wow! Despite all the hints, revealing she was going the wrong way, the time it took, the changing languages on the signs, hello, the mileage, Sabine compromised her time, gas, and common sense in order to follow wrong turn-by-turn directions. Now, before you judge Sabine harshly, are any of you doing the same thing? All right, next one, please. For some reason, I'm losing things. Are you ignoring the obvious signs? Would you stand with me? Is God trying to reveal something to you that you don't recognize? Because you're being absent-minded. Or is God telling you that you're heading in the wrong direction, but you've chosen to ignore Him? Don't mindlessly follow the directions of this world, because you will eventually be led to a place far from where God is directing you. The next one, please. God will not lead you astray. James 3.17 says, The wisdom that comes from God is, first of all, pure, then peaceful, gentle, and easy to please. Brother, there it is again. It's peaceful. When you follow God's plan, you will have peace in your life. When you do it God's way, according to the Scriptures, you will know what pure, peaceful living is. That's His promise to us. This wisdom is always ready to help those who are troubled and to do good for others. It is always fair and it is always honest. That's the new century version. The last scripture I wanted to read, I already shared this in the NLT, but this is the NIV. Would you say this with me one more time? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your paths straight. And then the very last one, please, just leave that up. We all have this choice. We can listen to the naysayers. We can listen to people who seem to know what they're talking about, but who contradict God's Word. We can listen to them. We can even do the things that they suggest is okay to do. However, let me tell you this, and I mean this as a shepherd, as your pastor. It is going to lead you down the wrong path. It will lead you away from God and not to Him. And I don't want that for anybody. I want you to have the fullness of joy. I want you to have abundant life. And that comes by honoring Him and by trusting in His Word. Some of you have got a lot more questions, and I am going to get into this more and more in the next couple of weeks but I want you to know this today, that you can trust in Jesus. You can trust in God's Word, both the Old and the New Testament, and you can most certainly trust in His salvation. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's His promise. He sent Jesus for us. Not just as his mouthpiece, not just to say this is what you need to do, but because he called us to him and said, Come to me, you who have heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. For my burden is light. My yoke is easy. If only you'd come to me. But if you keep doing it your way, the world's way, Whatever way you want to call it besides God's way. It's going to be a weight. It's going to be sinful. And it's going to lead you away from God, not to Him. Would you bow your heads? I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning talking about this. I believe the Holy Spirit has already been directing pointed little messages to you. Kind of like He's been texting your heart saying, this is from me today. Hear it. Hear this word. Don't turn your back on me. Don't plug your ears. I'm trying to get through. I've been trying to get through. But you have turned your back on me, and you can't go any further. If you do, it's going to lead to horrendously bad situations in your life. If you're here today, and you'd say, Pastor, I don't think I've been trusting the Bible, but... I believe that God is in this, that He's in this message, that He's in the Word, and that I can trust it. I'm starting to see that, and and I want to do the right thing today. If that's you, would you lift your hand up so I can see it? Hands going up all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You just know that you need Jesus today. You just know that God is speaking to you, and He's saying, Son, daughter, come to me. Come to me, repent of your sins, and come to me. If that's you, please lift your hand up real quick. Nobody looking around. Yep, yep. Others, yes, 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 yes. Anyone else? You can put them down if you've already had them. up. Anybody else? I want you to pray with me. And I'd ask our audience of Christians to join us, please, so that no one's standing there saying this alone. We're in this together. We're not here to point fingers. That's the word of God's. That's what that's all about. We're just here to share it. All right? But I want you to pray this loud enough so the own ears can hear. Whether you raised your hand the first time or the second, I want you to pray this, and I'm asking everybody here if you would join us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Bible. I believe it is your written word. Not written by men. men. Well, it was written by men. But you moved them. You spoke through them. You gave them the words to put down on paper. And today I believe that. Old and New Testament. I believe that Jesus was truthful. And when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life... I can trust Him in that. And I do trust Him. Now Lord, help me to apply Your Word to my life. Help me to live according to Your doctrine. Unlike the follower of the GPS, I'm going to trust Your Word and Your Word alone. If it's not in there, I'm not going down that path. If it is in there, I'm gratefully and gladly going to take that path. I ask you today, forgive me of my many sins and make me a new person. I put my trust in you. My faith in you. And I believe, because this pastor is telling me, The Bible says anyone who puts their trust in Jesus will never be put to shame. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Give the Lord a big hand this morning. This is supposed to be a short teaching today. Oh, my God. You are so awesome. My Lord, you are so beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, those open heavens, we thank you for that. We prayed before we ever came in here that you would do the work today, and I believe you have done it. Now, Lord, help us to live for you. Not to deny you, not to run away from you, but to live for you. Lord, this church is yours. Train our people, whether it's in the Bible studies, the Bible training institute, Lord, the preaching Sunday morning or our daily studies. God, teach us. Help us to be the Bereans to rightly divide the word of truth. God, help us to know you better each and every day. And I pray for everyone within the hearing of my voice that we would fall in love with you over and over and over again as I believe you do with us. (laughs) Lord, show favor upon everyone here today. Bless them, Lord. We pray for increase in their finances, increase in their jobs, promotions and raises as only you can give. Put people in our path that we can lead to Jesus, that we can speak to about our own testimony and the things that you've done for us. To God be the glory. Bless our snacks after service and bless that short meeting for all the parents who have junior high and high school kids that's over in the children's room Immediately following, we ask in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.